afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you are well. I hope all is good with you in your world. Um, there's just, you know, it's it's just been a very reflective morning for me. I have been reflecting on some things that are going on in my life. Trying to make sense of things and, you know, I've been having conversations with the Holy Spirit, just helping him. Just asking him to help me make sense of certain experiences that I'm having and things like that. And I went online and I saw, you know, um, a tweet, you know, showing the service of songs and the final resting um, ceremonies for a man of God, great man of God in Nigeria, who has really gone through a lot of challenging things in his life. And, you know... It just really got me thinking about because that was really what I had been reflecting on before I, you know, stumbled on that. You know, I just started thinking about how I think our modern day theology, at least in my background in Nigeria, doesn't really prepare us for the ups and downs of life. It prepares us for the ups and presents this very false doctrine that everything is going to be up and that downs are not supposed to happen and that if a down happens, you know, it's an aberration and you must make sure you do everything possible to get the up back. And you look at it, you're like, I mean, like, when I I look, I mean, I I was one of the people that believed all those things, but when I, now that I am like, like I would say, my eyes are now clear. I'm now like, which, where in the world is it that you find a life that doesn't have ups and downs? And sometimes those downs are very down. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have to have done anything wrong. You may even have done everything right, like Jesus did, and still have some terrible downs betrayal of friends, false arrest, false accusation, kangaroo courts set up for you, you are sent to jail, cut down in your prime, made to suffer for what you do not know anything about, your reputation torn to shreds, people lying against you, you lose everything. And meanwhile, you did nothing wrong. So, you know, one of the things that I think, there are two things that I think that, in fact, three things that I think that God really gifted us with. And I'm glad and grateful that I'm living in this time where I have access to all those three things. Because I think in other times, they may not have had. But one is Jesus and the gospel of Jesus. That's under the, the blood of Jesus. Everything that... I'm glad that he, I, I was born after he had died and he paid the price and all of that. And that that blood, because that blood of Jesus continues to testify. It's a witness because he was shed on this earth. That blood, and, and I, I realized that that's why Jesus had to die a very gory death. Because his blood needed to be spilt. And you know, when, when blood flows, you know, it, I mean, all of us have experienced it. Blood just goes, it, it, it doesn't stay, it, it drips. So it, 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 will, it will go onto the ground. So, the, of course, crucifixion was hanging on the cross. So that blood was entering the ground. 
it was necessary. That's why God didn't allow them to kill him any other way. And believe you me, there are many ways they could have killed him that no blood would have been spilled. I mean, we all know about that. But he had to have had a, died a bloody death. And one that would have allowed enough of his blood to spill and be soaked up into the earth as a witness. Because as you and I know, I mean, even science teaches us that everything that goes into the earth remains a part of the earth. It doesn't disappear. So the place where the blood of Jesus was spilled till today, that blood, because it has now become part of the nutrients of the earth, it's been, you know, gone into whatever. But the micro, 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 micro molecules of it are still there. As we all know, that's how the world, the earth is. It retains all of that. So that blood is still a witness on the earth. And there's a scripture in the book of 1 John that talks about that. That is a witness on the earth. So I'm grateful for the witness of the blood of Jesus. That Jesus actually came. He was a real living human being, lived a life. He died. He was brutally killed, crucified hung on a cross, blood on the earth for what he knew nothing about and he was the Lamb of God taking away the sins of the world. So he didn't just suffer like any normal person would suffer for a crime that he was wrongly convicted for, but he, he was the sacrificial lamb for the spiritual sins of man. So there was a physical aspect to his crucifixion. There was also the spiritual payment that his death meant. But I'm grateful for that blood. I'm also grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit because he's the one that gives the interpretation. No, secondly, I'm grateful for the word of God. So after Jesus died, you know, and rose and was ascended, the apostles went about preaching. God gave them revelations and then, you know, they wrote scrolls and things like that. And the New Testament was birthed, was hidden in many places, but people have found the scrolls, put them together, and they have the Bible that we have. I'm grateful for that word that is written. I'm grateful that the Apostles did not make the mistake that Africans did because Africans were, tra- were transmitting our culture through oral tradition and therefore it got lost. A lot of things got lost because there's no document, there's no reference. And even though the oral tradition has kept the culture, but it has also limited the culture, if you know what I mean. So there's a lot that we don't know and there's a lot that some people know and then there's a lot that a lot of people don't know. It's not accessible to everybody. So we all have different aspects of the culture in us. But the culture has been passed on. The oral tradition has been effective, but it has also been limiting. So thank God that God um, inspired the apostles to not just share the gospel orally, but also write what God had shared with them. And that has now made it accessible to people like me. Because if if they had done only orally, the gospel will never have left Jerusalem. It will definitely not come to me in, uh, in Nigeria and in Africa. So thank God for that. And of course, God is a God that deals with documents. So even with the Old Testament, it always got them to write. And that's how you know when you are dealing with a God that is master. Because God just knew. He knew. So he, he himself has books. He has scrolls, records in heaven. So he made them write and he allowed them to write. And I thank God for that. So that the fact that I have a Bible to check and reference anything that anybody is telling me about God, about the Word of God. I don't have to take people's word for it. I can look at this book, this ancient manuscript, and decide for myself what is right, and I can read. So thank God for that. Then the third thing is the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, and this is not you know in any particular order, I'm just putting it in the spiritual order, because without Jesus, the gospel, there will be no gospel. The Word of God will not 
mean anything to me. And without Jesus and the gospel and the word of God, the Holy Spirit, I will not receive the Holy Spirit. So that's why I'm putting it in that order. So the Holy Spirit is the third gift that I'm grateful for. I'm grateful because he helps me understand, find meaning. Because it's one thing to read the Bible. And we see that. I, I see that that the illumination of what the words is what the words are saying and how it it applies to your own life it's the holy spirit that can only give that to you you can't you can't get it from mental reading of the bible and i think that's why a lot of people struggle with the bible and even some christians if they do not have a real and living experience with the holy spirit and they haven't or received the baptism or cultivated that relationship or nurtured it or whatever you are then reliant on what other people tell you that the Bible says. And that personal meaning is not there for you. So I appreciate the presence of the Holy Spirit because he helps me read the Bible, understand the Bible, and string different elements of the Bible together. The Bible is like a, I don't even call it a jigsaw puzzle. It's almost like a, it's like a connected matrix. It's, it, it, some elements of it is like a, it's like a jigsaw puzzle in a way. But it has... Even the, the parts of it that are, the, the pieces of the puzzle that are far away, they connect to one another. But that connection is the Holy Spirit that will help you make the connection. And then the connection to your own life, that one is divinely inspired. And many times I see him do that for me where, you know, I'm able to just, you know, he brings things together. So let me get back to what I was saying. So grateful for Jesus and the gospel of Jesus because Jesus... The whole story of Jesus coming and the message of his life, his ministry, his resurrection, his death, his sacrifice, his substitutionary payment. All of that is what the gospel is about. And then, you know, um, the word of God that actually documents that who he is, his origin story, where he's coming from, who God is and all of that. And then introduces the Holy Spirit. So all those three things are like the critical success factors for my Christian work. But what? So when you look at that... You read in the Bible, the Bible shows you that this life is... In fact, from the beginning, when God created a, God that, a world that was supposed to be perfect, I mean, that was actually perfect and intended to continue to be perfect, a chaos creature came into the place and it disturbed, distorted and disrupted the whole thing. From then, the order of humanity was changed and it became a life of ups and downs. In fact, the entire Bible is about ups and downs. It's about and the downs were really really downs. I mean, the children of God were sold into captivity, even when they were in Israel, bondage in Egypt. They were as it was horrible. Then there was the after they were, they got into the promised land, they were taken off into captivity to Babylon, um, to the Cyrus. Different um, people enslaved them. The 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 the, the Persians, the you know. And I think the um, Persians and the, the Medes and the Persians, you know, I, I get them all mixed up. Before eventually God delivered them and then they came back again. And then the Romans then came, you know, I mean, and it was terrible. And there were wars and so many wars and killings. I mean, even the Philistines in the days of David, they never had peace. Then, of course, Jesus came. Jesus came with his own drama. By the time Jesus came, started preaching the gospel, immediately the elders of the day started, from the beginning, they set up their mind that they were going to kill him. And his ministry lasted just three years. But those three years, <laughs> it was three years of trouble. In fact, when you read the Bible, you start reading from very early on, like on the book of John, from chapter 6 or so, 
the opposition against him came. Once he started talking about who he was, they said he 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 calling himself equal to God. He was saying he was the only. I mean, they just they were not even ready to even like you know he, he just needed to die, and they were ready to give him the most brutal of deaths. So this life is a life, but in the midst of that, God was working. And was still perfecting his plan. The apostles too. If you say, okay, Jesus needed to die that way. I mean, fair enough. I agree. But then the apostles then came. And Jesus even warned them before they are, before he died. That he says, look, in this life, they that will follow me, they will suffer. Those that will live godly, they will suffer persecution. But he says, don't worry, I'll be with you. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. He said it. There are so many scriptures where he talked about that. So where do we get this doctrine of believing that if something bad happens or to a Christian, it's because it's a personal failure on their life, in their part, and that God has promised us a life that is devoid of trouble. I'm sorry. That is not new covenant. There's no way God promised us a life. He said he will prosper us, that he desires that we prosper and we be in the other as our soul prosper. But he also said that in the midst of, in fact, there's a place where he says, um, <clears throat> when Jesus said, those that have left father, mother, sister, whatever, they will receive a hundredfold in return with persecutions. And you see that persecution there. <laughs> in fact, the same Bible, Jesus even said, told them that some people will die. In fact, he even told Peter. Peter was aware that he was going to die for the sake of Christ. So some people will even pay the ultimate price. So I think, you know, and, and that's why to a very large extent I have moved away. I've said this in other episodes. I've moved away from the the kind of false promise um Christianity, that doctrines that have been preached around me, that this in this my <clears throat> um, southern Nigerian setting, because it's not scriptural. It does not prepare us for the travels of life. It does not prepare us to be disciples and soldiers of Christ. A soldier is told to endure hardness, and that's what the scripture tells us. Jesus tells us to endure hardness as a true soldier of Christ. I mean, have you ever seen any soldier that doesn't get wounded? How many soldiers die? You're a soldier, you're afraid of blood. You you don't want to ever face pain. You should not be a soldier. You have no business being in the army. There are times you will be wounded. There are times other people will be wounded. But you will still go into battle. When you are wounded, you do whatever you need to do to get yourself well. Even with those wounds, you will still be helping those that are more wounded than you, those that are unable to help themselves. And you never stop being a soldier. A wounded soldier is still a soldier. A dead soldier is also a soldier. Once a soldier, always a soldier. But a soldier... What makes differentiates a soldier from a normal citizen is first of all, they have enrolled, they have enlisted, they are battle ready, they understand that there is a mission, they are trained. 
and they fight for the sake of the kingdom. But a soldier knows that life is hard. In fact, the training of a soldier is deliberately hard to prepare them for what they will face on the battlefield. What we are doing, we're not, are we, we're not even attempting to even raise soldiers. Making people believe that life will be always good. And, you know, to the point that when things, bad things happen, which as they always will. Christians, we are so discombobulated, we don't even know where to start from. Whereas you should be preparing us. Because the, Jesus prepared the disciples, which is why when the troubles came... They were able to deal with it because they had been prepared. And Christianity didn't die. What I think what we fail to realize as modern Christians is that if the disciples did not embrace the persecution, it's very possible that, they, that the whole gospel will have died with the first generation church. Just think about it. If they thought, oh, woe is me. Why is all this happening to me? Why, oh, no, and I'm following Jesus. In fact, following Jesus is like wearing a signboard on your head, persecute me. So, I am, you know, I am in my 50s now, and I don't have the luxury of being confused about what the Bible says. And if, I mean, I can read. And the Bible is very clear. Jesus' life, the New Testament, is very clear. There are books of the Bible that we things we cannot be sure about. You know, Revelation, I'm not... Mm-hmm. The prophets, yes, that we can, we can be unclear. But about who Jesus is, what he preached, what he told the disciples, or what a Christian's life should be, we have teachings from Jesus, we have examples from the teachings of the apostles and the record. And what we saw was that they lived a very difficult life. A lot of bad things, in quotes, happened to them. In fact, many of them were murdered. They died. They were killed. They suffered loss. In fact, um, when um, Paul was writing in the book of Romans chapter 8, he says, "Neither, uh, Neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nothing will separate us from the love of Christ. The reason he wrote that was because, yes, those were, there were things that were contending to separate them from the love of Christ. A lot of tribulation came upon their life. Before then, Saul was a well-respected person in society, part of the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. You know, he was a respected scholar. But from the day he gave his life to Christ, his life was no longer the same. Hounded like a criminal, left to right, bound in chains, locked up in prisons, beaten targeted hated, envied they're not even aware he even had a permanent address you know what I mean his whole life he wasn't married as of the time he had he, 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 he received Christ and was never able to so I'll just leave it at that but the Bible says all things work together for good to them that will love God, to them who are the called even according to his purpose. The reason why God says that in Romans 8, 28 is because all things means all things good, all things bad. 
It means that bad things will sometimes happen to Christians. Yes, we will pray, we can pray, and there will be a lot of bad things that God will prevent. But there are some things that will not be prevented. Some things will also not be preventable. Yes. And I know that sounds, a lot of Nigerian Christians will not want to hear that. So we should not be, we should be kind to people who experience a lot of, you know, some of these things. When they are going through stuff, we should be kind and we should not be judgmental. Don't think that it's because they did something bad or they did something wrong. No. Life happens. And Jesus warned us that it will. And don't also think that because, in quotes, bad things have not happened to you, it means that you are better than the other person. In fact, Jesus preached about this thing. When they asked him, they said, this man that was blind from birth, that who committed sin, was it his parents or his mother? Jesus now said, why are you thinking that it's because of the sin of his parents that he was born blind from his birth? He said, those people that the, um, the, um, the temple, apparently there was a temple collapse sometime around that time, that the temple collapsed on them, that you think it was because of their sin? Jesus talked about this because I guess there is something human that makes us, you know, there's a human flawed mentality that makes people think, I, th- I think it's a religious mindset, that bad things happen to bad people. But this world shows us that it's not true. In fact, bad things happen to good people because the devil has altered the nature of this world. So he does everything possible to reward bad behavior so that people can continue to be bad. It's, 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 it's incentivized. There's temporary incentive uh, incentives for bad behavior, which is why, you know, a thief would steal many times before he gets caught. And you take drugs, it will have a payback for a long time before the bad aspect of it comes. So the devil gives a payoff. Whatever lifestyle, whatever it is he gives you, initially it is good. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what I good in quotes? But when the law of sowing and reaping keeps in, you know, like the Bible says, you cannot reap. Um, you know, you can't draw from it a, 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 a tainted well good water. Even if for some reason it looks like the water is good, by the time you drink it, what is in the water will eventually harm you. So that's just the way it is. But the water looks clear, it looks drinkable, but it is from a contaminated well. Drink the water, it will satisfy your thirst for that moment. By the time the poisons in the water permeate into the, into the bloodstream, then the impact of drinking that contaminated water will come to pass. That is exactly how it is when we take the, in quotes, the good things that the world or the pleasures of sin, the things that the devil has crafted for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that analogy. So, that's the world we live in. The devil incentivizes um, bad behavior and punishes good behavior. We, we see that even in, 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 in our politics, in Nigerian politics right now, we've seen it. The person who played by the rules has been cheated. The one who lied, who stole, who killed, who bribed to get it has been rewarded with the position. And is gloating 
But again, he has, he has drunk from contaminated water. So yes, our role is to sit and wait. Because by the time what is in the water hits his bloodstream, the impact of it will be seen by all. But what then? So I guess the question you would ask is, so what then is the hope of the Christian? The hope of the Christian is in God. And sometimes God allows a reversal to take place. But sometimes the reversal does not happen in this life. But that person will get that reward in heaven. We see that in the story of the poor man and Lazarus, the rich man and Lazarus. The poor man was a beggar all his life. But when he died, he went into Abraham's bosom. I mean, we don't really know why, you know, sure you understand, I don't know, did he pray? Why, why was it that he was poor all his life? He lived such a wretched life. But that rich guy, man, that guy lived, lived a good life. He lived a very good life. In fact, he had no reason to even worry about God. His needs were met. But guess what? He went to hell afterwards. This is not, I'm not here to say, to preach against wealth or anything. I mean, by the way, I have, do you understand? I'm not a poor person. So, I, I, I mean, poor people go to hell, rich people go to heaven. So this, this wasn't really about God talking about the, um, um, the rich man, meaning he was, he was not, a, a, um, the wealth was what made him evil. No, the rich man was just to describe him that this was a man that had a lot of money. This was, and this was somebody who really didn't have that much money. But it was the condition of their heart. Clearly, that was the defining thing. So the rich man was rich, and he was arrogant and had hubris in his wealth and had faith and trust in his wealth. The poor man did not have money. Maybe that was what made him cry unto God every day, or he was someone that was just naturally whatever. Whatever the case is, he ended up in Abraham's person. So if he had done wrong and it was bad things or a sin that made him poor and destitute for most of his life, why would, after his death, he then be carried away into Abraham's bosom? And if it was the good things, conversely, that this rich man had done, or God's blessings, and quotes, that made him rich, like the way we are falsely taught now and we falsely believe, why then was he not in Abraham's bosom? Why was he in hell after he died? And in fact, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing that parable because Abraham said something. Because there was then a conversation between this rich man and Abraham. And he was begging Abraham for him to go back to the earth and talk to, send emissaries to go to talk to his relatives so that they don't come to this place of torment that he is in. And Abraham said to him, they have Moses, they have the prophets. In other words, they had the law. They have the word of God, the Bible, the Old Testament Bible, the Torah. They have the Torah and the books written by the prophets. So he was saying they have the scriptures. They should read the scriptures and believe. But the rich man now said, no, 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 no. Um, but no, but if, they, if, they, if, they hear, um, if somebody comes from the dead, they will believe. Jesus, uh, then Abraham said to them, no, 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 no. If they will not believe the testimony of Moses in the Torah, or the writings of the prophets, then they will not believe if somebody came back from, came from the dead. And he was right. And what that means is that this poor man was somebody who believed the prophets and believed the Torah. So he was poor, he was destitute, begging a beggar all his life, but he was a believer. 
Because what Abraham, and the Holy Spirit is just making me realize this, what Abraham was saying is that the reason you came here, you ended up here, was because of your lack of faith. You did not believe the testimony of, you didn't believe the testimony of Moses in the Torah and also the prophetic writings, which is repent, give your life to God, follow his commandments. You didn't obey the word. You didn't believe it. You trusted in your wealth. And again, this is where, and this is, you know, and this is why I love to do these musings because Jesus teaches me through these musings because I'm just realizing that, wow, there was, there was so much that was taught to us in that parable of the rich man. So what prevented that man from entering in was not his wealth. It was not, it was, it was his lack of faith. He just, he didn't believe in God. He didn't receive the testimony. In fact, even in hell, he still believed that the testimony of the scriptures was not enough to make people believe. So that shows you where his heart and his mind was. So I think God has brought this musing full circle back for me, which is that back to what I started off by saying, that I thank God for Jesus, for the gospel, for his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, the payment for my sin, access to faith. I thank God also for the word of God that is written, that has the testimony that I can read and receive, and the Holy Spirit that helps me find meaning in all those words. Because at the end of the day, salvation is a personal thing. And if we allow ourselves, if we do not work out our own salvation and receive that and find God by ourselves in his word, like the poor man did, even in his situation. So the poor man said to himself, even if I will lose out in this world, I will not lose out in the next. So he held on to God. And he was in Abraham's bosom, comforted. But at the end of the day, the rich man trusted in riches. Salvation and eternity is too serious for us to allow ourselves to be led by the news, by people who have their own agendas. And that was what Abraham was saying to that rich man. He said they have the prophetic writing, they have the mosaic writings, they have the law there. They should read it. It speaks about God. It shows them what they need to know. So we also, if 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 God did not excuse those who read lived in those days, where many of them could not even read, they 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 had to listen to other people read the Torah for them. How much more now? Let him that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Thank you very much for listening. God bless you. Stay lifted and have a wonderful day. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.